So the idea, Jonathan, kind of big picture, the, the government, the public, so to speak, they're trying to encourage people just like your listeners to renovate and build commercial buildings in a more energy efficient, more sustainable, you know, a more job creating manner without putting taxpayer money on the line. So they give us the access to the tax assessment mechanism, and we're lending you capital to do a specific project. Again, whether it's build or renovate your building and then paid back through a, let's just say 20 to 30 year fixed rate, non-accelerating and non-recourse key special tax assessment. Welcome to the Source of Commercial Real Estate podcast, where we talk to the experts in all asset classes of commercial real estate. Listen so you can grow your wealth, expand your portfolio, improve your mindset, and live an amazing life. And now, your host, Jonathan Hayek. Welcome to the Source of Commercial Real Estate, where we talk to the experts in commercial real estate so you can grow your business, find a competitive advantage, and use real estate to live the life that you want. I am your host, Jonathan Hayek, and today I am talking with Ethan Elser with Pace Equity. Ethan Elser is the executive vice president and a principal of Pace Equity, the leading funding of CPACE for commercial real estate development projects in the country. Pace Equity is known for more pioneering, is known for both pioneering several innovations in CPACE, including ground up construction, as well as providing its clients a turnkey solution for all the CPACE requirements. And if you are unfamiliar with CPACE, financing. We are going to go deep on that today. Ethan oversees Definitely. the company's 25 state origination platform underwriting. He also sits on the firm's investment committee. He's responsible for the underwriting and structuring of all Pace Equities projects and collaborates with owners, developers, brokers, lenders, and public officials. Prior to joining Pace, Ethan managed a family real estate port- portfolio uh, real estate investment office and was an asset manager for receivership and REO portfolios for banks. So Ethan, apologies for butchering parts of your intro. Um, I am grateful that you're here and I think we're going to unlock a ton of opportunity for real estate investors yeah. that uh, a lot of investors just aren't familiar with. So Ethan, thank you for being here. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing great, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be sharing the gospel, so to speak. I think, you know, what we do here at Pace Equity and the commercial Pace tool, and we'll talk about, you know, about what that is and what that means. It's probably the secret in commercial real estate financing. And especially today, you know, during our, you know, kind of challenging, you know, capital times, we are, I'd say, more valuable than ever. So looking forward to, uh, to, you know, spreading the word to all of your uh, your listeners. Well, I'm sincerely looking forward to it because when I heard about you and I heard about what you do, I thought, wow, this sounds like an incredible opportunity. And CPACE financing is something that I myself am ignorant on. So really looking forward to shedding the light on this really important topic. Why don't we get started by you telling us a little bit about your background and what your work looks like today? Sure. Well, and, and, you know, I've been really fortunate to, you know, to kind of be here today and to really kind of have all the different parts of my background, you know, build up to what I'm doing now. 
So, you know, as you mentioned, I, I started off working, you know, really in the Great Recession, working with um, with banks who were taking back, you know, receiverships on REO properties. And I was brought into, you know, to kind of help work out the asset management and disposition side. So I worked to, you know, take properties over, get property management going, kind of stabilize and turn them around as kind of time and money allowed, and then work, you know, to ultimately liquidate them. And it was a it was a trial by fire, great way to get into the industry. Um, learned a lot and, and again, just built a knowledge base around property management. I have such an appreciation for what those folks do. It is the most, I think it's the hardest and most underappreciated part of, of commercial real estate. Um, I was then brought on to a local family here in Milwaukee, which is where we're based. You know, great folks, they'd, they'd um, really started an investment real estate division and, and they sold a kind of a legacy family asset at a fantastic time. But then, unfor- you know, kind of unfortunately, fortunately, 1031 to all of that into starting this investment real estate division. So they, they sold high, they bought high. And, um, you know, 1031s are great in some ways, but you still have to, you know, really be thoughtful, you know, around how you're exchanging your properties. And so I was brought in. In that same way, now at a kind of a first party ownership level to stabilize, turn around, grow NOI, develop some new assets. And um, what was what was the opportunity was that we were really just resetting a lot of those different aspects of the company. But what was challenging was we didn't have a lot of capital to do it. Um, and so I had to be very creative in every every you know leasing deal, every you know JV development deal. We had a lot of land that we had to, you know, kind of partner with and figure out, you know, how to develop new assets with. So I was, I was always tap dancing my way through projects and financing and looking for creative edges, right? And sounds like, you know, a lot of what your listeners are, are looking for. And there, there came a, a scenario where it was a, it was a really big TI project, um, what, what felt like really big at the time for me, at least. And we just, I just couldn't get the cash I needed and lenders were just not lending, you know? And so I'm, I'm really working hard to find different alternatives. And, um, and one individual said, you know, I just heard about this new company started in Milwaukee. Who's doing this, this new tool called C-Pace. Like never heard of it, you know, don't really have time to figure, I got to get this project funded, man, you know? And then I kind of thought to myself, I actually do have time because I I got to figure out how to get this done, and ultimately I got introduced to a gentleman named Bo Engman who had recently left Johnson Controls, um, who's based here in Milwaukee, and started Pace Equity, and he explained um, what the tool is and what his background is and how it worked, and said we can this is exactly in our wheelhouse we can get this project funded for you, and it was I mean it was just like but. I, I've never heard of this. Is this how does this work? Is it real? So I went really deep in, and ultimately signed up. I learned later as one of the original customers of the company, and I was just fascinated by this tool. This is back. This is about ten years ago now, and um, I was just so enthralled in it that eventually said, you know, this is great. It's here in Milwaukee. You know, I, I love that we're supporting. You know, my hometown. I'd love to come join you and, and do this with you. And, um, and, and Bo said, that's great. You know, we're, uh, 
you know, we're ready to scale up our business. Why don't you come start a start a sales team? So, and, and that was you know, kind of going on, you know, nine, ten years ago now, and uh, it's been a it's been a great ride. What an incredible story to get into your current position. I love that that you were one of the first customers, and you loved the product so much that you wanted to work for them. I think I can think of few better ways to get involved in a company and you know few better testimonials for a company or a product than for you to want to work that yourself so um, let's let's get into cpace financing because uh, i Absolutely. know a lot of investors are you know might be ignorant like me about it so whether you want to explain it in the context of the project that you are working on that might be interesting sure. Uh, but just give sure. us an idea of what CPACE financing is and what it provides investors. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so CPACE is an acronym that stands for Commercial Property Assessed Clean Energy. Mouthful kind of right there. And ultimately, it's a state-legislated public-private partnership. What the legislation does, which is set up and active in about 35 states and growing around the country, it sets up a framework for private capital to fund specific items in a commercial building's construction budget. And when I say construction budget, that could be a renovation, that could be a value-add scenario, that could be a TI project, that could be redevelopment, that could be ground-up construction, that could be seismic retrofitting, that could be adding solar. So a lot of different applications. We'll come back to those, I'm sure, in a bit. So to fund specific expenditures in those budgets that have a tangible utility, water, or renewable impact, meaning they're things that actually goes to reduce your energy spend, your water spend are renewable in nature. And the capital, all from private sources, such as PACE equity, is paid through a long-term special tax assessment on the property. So the idea, Jonathan, kind of big picture, the the government, the public, so to speak, they're trying to encourage people just like your listeners to renovate and build commercial buildings in a more energy efficient, a more sustainable, you know, a more job creating manner without putting taxpayer money on the line. So they give us the access to the tax assessment mechanism. Like think about, think about if your property has a sewer assessment, it's the exact same concept. It's just for your specific building and we're lending you capital to do a specific project. Again, whether it's build or renovate your building and then paid back through a, let's just say 20 to 30 year fixed rate, non-accelerating and non-recourse key special tax assessment. So that's the concept in a nutshell. All right, I am diligently taking some notes here because <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there, but the sure. the opportunity sounds incredible, and I want to narrow down on specifically the the kinds of uh, projects and improvements that could potentially be uh, financed through this vehicle. So, um, yeah. in the acronym, uh, you talked about clean energy. It's it's right there in the acronym. You talked about uh, it has to be uh, the pro the Property has to benefit from improved utility, water, or renewable impacts. So can you go through maybe some of the use cases that you've worked on recently? What are some of your clients using this financing for? Absolutely. And 
you know, what's, what's kind of interesting, you know, when you unpack it, most projects that are doing kind of major renovations or development, or in some cases, just some kind of upgrade qualify. So it's not, it's not necessary. It sounds to kind of, to your point, like, gosh, do I have to, do I have to do like a lead building to qualify? And the answer is absolutely not, which is, which is great. This is really just trying to give access to capital for specific things like improving HVAC, windows, lighting, elevators, adding solar, roof, windows. You know, there's actually a lot of different things that qualify in most commercial construction projects. So you ask a great question, use cases. And, you know, that's where, again, kind of the world is a little bit of someone's oyster because there are a lot. Big picture, a lot of our clients right now are using us because I haven't even really hit on the main value proposition yet, which is that our capital is supplanting debt and equity either at a similar cost to debt today, but compared to equity at a dramatically lower cost. So where where banks are unable and willing to lend, we can step into that void and add some additional financing at a similar cost where someone, you know, has raised some equity, but going to the full kind of equity check is very dilutive and not making your IRR work. That's where we can come in and replace it at a much lower cost. Someone who is developing a building has a cost overrun. We can come in and fund that mid construction as just simply kind of cost overrun funding. Someone who is looking to recapitalize, maybe you'd like to take out some of your equity investors, but you're not ready to do a refinancing because maybe you've got pretty attractive bank terms right now. Maybe you don't want to go into the market right now to try and refinance. We can support that. We can typically fund projects that have been completed, you know, 12 to 36 months ago. So, you know, the again, the world is really the oyster. Um, uh, a project, you know, we were, I was just on a call with someone who's buying a distressed office building, you know, and they're, um, they're considering two different things for it. One is redeveloping it into multifamily. The other would be simply, you know, I'm acquiring this at a much lower basis so I can lower rents. But, you know, I've got some existing income in place, but I really need to just modernize the building, make it a little more competitive. I might need new elevators, you know, new lighting, refresh the lobby. That's a scenario that we can, you know, participate in. So there's, there's, there's a lot of ways, but I think the main, you know, if, if I'm listening to, you know, all of this, I think the main takeaway is that for financing commercial construction projects, you know, kind of larger or smaller, you know, our capital is very competitively, very value add, you know, kind of priced and structured. Will you talk about the types of assets that you lend on? Are you restricted to only residential, only large commercial properties? What what sorts of assets do you lend on? Yeah, any really any kind of commercial, um, you know, real estate. So multifamily, hospitality, industrial, um, retail. We are doing you know here and there, you know, office. Um, 
So it, it's it's really your main, you know, senior housing, your main, you know, core food groups. Um, but you know, we focus on really is this a good project? Is this a good, you know, asset for us to be in? Um, we don't necessarily say, okay, we don't like this market for these reasons. We like to look at what's this actual project and does it make sense? Where's kind of the the story and the value add to it? Um, and, and there's a lot of things out there that can make sense at the right basis, you know, with the right team, with the right tenants, right? Ethan, I'd love to go into the the process and exactly how this works. And I have yeah. to admit that when I think about you mentioned kind of a public private partnership and my mind goes to some of the government funded loan programs where they'll provide some uh, some funds for capital expenses and and rehab but there is a laundry list of requirements and um, right. contractor requirements and all these things that you have to fulfill and they make it almost impossible to take advantage of this opportunity. So um, the way you were describing it, it seems pretty flexible that you can even do it in hindsight and retroactively for a project right. that is potentially right. even already completed and you're looking to recapitalize or pay off some investors. So um Let's start out with requirements. So, um, yeah, somebody comes to you, and let's let's say you know they're they're wanting to rehab this office building, and they're wanting to freshen up the lobby and the elevators, and add some LED lighting, and and they've got this list of things that they would like to do, and they're wondering if you're a good fit for it. So, what sorts of requirements does the investor or the borrower have to go through in order to secure this financing? Sure. And, you know, I'll I'll start off by saying our company, I believe we add value in a sense to your exact point, Jonathan, which is that while we do our absolute best, you know, there are there are requirements that have to be met. And a little bit of the challenge in our business in our space is that, as I mentioned earlier, there's 35, you know, and growing states that have the requisite approvals and legislation in place, let's just say at the state level and locally. Unfortunately, each of those is different, sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. And how we add value to our clients is by being very granular. So first and foremost, if you were to reach out to us with that exact office project, we're going to look at it based on, okay, this office building in Seattle. Okay, now we have to meet these sets of requirements, and we're going to shape our whole process around that because actually in Seattle versus Spokane, those are actually two different sets of requirements, which is different from Oregon, which is different from California. And I don't say this to, to try and scare anyone, but the point is that that's how we add value is having an in-house team of experts on the transaction side and the engineering side to meet all these different requirements and have it be, in the end, a simple and approachable process. So I'd say, you know, there's five criteria that we look at initially, you know, up front to come back with ultimately, let's just say kind of indicative terms of financing. So one and, and let's just say that we can make some of the assumptions, you know, the more the merrier as always, but um, we look 
you know, very closely at first the, the scope of work. So having that budget of, okay, how much is, you know, elevators is a million dollars, lighting $200,000, you know, whatever the case may be, so that we can come back and say, okay, we can fund this, 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 and ultimately come back with, you know, with that. Um, two, we look at, you know, what our LTV is. And this is actually a really good thing to mention is that, you know, we, we're not a, we're not a first mortgage lender. We're a gap filling lender, you know, of sorts. We're typically funding up to, you know, 20 to 30% of the ultimate LTV of the property. So it's a nice accretive part. Absolutely. But it's not going, we're not again, going to be that, that first mortgage lender for a wide variety of reasons. So we're looking at that. We're looking at what the, you know, the ultimate equity um, is in the property. Um, we're looking at, again, what those local requirements are and what we ultimately have to meet. And then finally, um, and maybe most importantly, we're looking at debt service coverage, you know, underwriting to, you know, different requirements based on different asset classes. So what our team is going to do um, is we're going to ingest this information and come back with something that's very tailored and specific to your building and your location and your project that you're doing. And we do that through a team of about 20 managing directors, coast to coast, who are local to most major MSAs in the states that we funded. And that way, you're not talking to Ethan in Milwaukee or Griffin, you know, who is our Wisconsin managing director. You're talking to Rachel in Seattle, or you're talking to Ron in San Francisco or Dan in Miami. And that way, it's someone there who understands all these requirements, who has an interest, you know, in your, you know, your city or state. And then we can, again, get very granular with you about how to tailor this to fit your needs. Are there project characteristics or types that right off the bat, you can hear and say, you know what, this is not going to be a good project for PACE? That's a good question. You know, I think um, at the end of the day, we are a commercial real estate construction, you know, lender. And again, being very broad about what construction, you know, renovation all the way through ground up. Means. And, you know, just where we are today is that, you know, doing a project where we're funding a million dollars or $50 million is the same amount of work. And so what we've what we found is that if our portion is less than that million dollars, it's it's hard really on the borrowers because we have the same cost and overhead. And unfortunately, we have to you know kind of pass that through. So I think I think for us to fund a million dollars or up and plus or minus, you know, there's no hard and fast rules, you know, which if you kind of do some reverse math on our maybe our LTV you know, it's probably going to be a five to $10 million, maybe total project cost or up, assuming that we're funding, you know, 20 to 30%, you know, thereabouts of it. But at the same time, you know, I think, I think if, if you're in a state we can fund in and you have a need and, you know, we want to be, we want to be working with you, you know, our, our ultimate mission, you know, is to, help support these projects, especially the ones that are embracing, you know, uh, more efficiency, renewables. So 
someone reached out to us had a had a four hundred thousand dollar solar project, and it's usually you know typically not something we'd consider again for some of those reasons. But we really want to support that person's mission to ultimately reduce their utility consumption, you know, reduce fossil fuel emissions, and we were able to you know to work with them on it. So I think again, I think you know larger projects are better, but it's it's really about where does that need exist and and how can we be accretive to that? You know, we're not, we're not necessarily a great fit for every single project. I actually just got an email um, from, you know, one of our team members and they said, you know, well, they're, they're talking to us and they're also considering traditional bank financing. I said, you know what, that's probably going to be a similar or, you know, cheaper cost you know, then we are typically would be cheaper. We're just in a little bit of a weird spot right now in the market. Everyone should maximize their lowest cost of capital first. And it's okay if that's not us, because that's, we're not a bank, you know, we don't have deposits, you know, we're a private, you know, lender. So I think first and foremost is, you know, exhausting some of those other options. And then we're here to really step into that, you know, that gap or that void. Ethan, you touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to hear more about Pace Equity's value proposition. So, uh, you know, you mentioned somebody should go to their local lender and maybe a line of credit is the appropriate financing source for a certain project. You talked earlier about some examples where you were working on a project and you couldn't get local lending for a TI project uh, that that you were needing to do. And so talk about what an investor can expect with Pace Equity that they might not get from a traditional lender. What What is your value yeah. proposition to investors? Absolutely. And, and that's a great question, Jonathan. I, and I think, you know, every, everyone has a little bit of their own perspective on this. So I'll give you kind of a, a you know, a couple that, that apply to many. Um, you know, one is that after construction is completed, we're a non-recourse lender. So there's some folks who are just, they'd rather just not have that, you know, that hanging over their head, you know, or on their, you know, their, their personal financials and balance sheets. Um, Two is that we can often, um, what's, what's attractive about our structure is that we lock an interest rate for our entire term and amortization. There's no rate reset. There's no balloon payment. It's just a straight line, say 20 to 30 year amortization. So what's nice about that is one, you know, in a, in a rate increasing or questionable environment, you're not taking that risk. You're going to know exactly what your payments are for that, you know, 20 to 30 year time horizon. Um, and, and really, as a result, we come very predictable, but we can usually extend a longer amortization than banks. Like taking TI projects for a second, there's a project here in Wisconsin that we're working on. They, they have a TI loan and it's a five year term and amortization. I mean, it is punishing to that property's cash flow, right? We are doing the exact same building, exact same project, and we're extending a, you know, a 25-year term and amortization on that. So that in itself just may be more compelling because to the bank, they did an acquisition loan. This is kind of a second, you know, junior loan, and they wanted to keep it, you know, very tight. Whereas we think about the world just, you know, just differently. So... 
those are some of the nitty gritty, but let me go like the, the ultimate, you know, main one, which is that banks right now and, and lenders right now and equity right now, it's scarce. There's a real scarcity as we said here in early 2024, you know, with that, um, they might want a big deposit. They might only lend to existing customers, but they're, they're really limiting the amount of, you know, financing that they're willing to offer. And that, that is our main value proposition that, you know, uh, let's just say your, your local bank is, you know, only offering you 50% leverage. Your project probably doesn't pencil, you know, if it's that low, or maybe they're willing to give you an acquisition loan, but they're not really willing to fund the rehab or the renovations or, you know, or a chunk of the construction. That's where we're coming in is that they've kind of maxed out what's probably the most attractive cost of capital. And we're funding on top of that at, and in a creative way, that's, that's a similar cost. That's non-recourse long-term to really bridge that gap between, you know, what, what a lender's willing and able to do and really what it takes to make the project pencil from an investment and return perspective. That's, and that's really our main sweet spot. And that could be on the debt side. That could also same be on the equity side, where if you think about that same scenario, maybe a little bit differently, if your local lender is only willing to lend 50%, you know, let's just say that means you're bringing in 50% equity, whether that's your own pocketbook, whether you're getting outside investors, that's a lot of capital. That's a lot of return that you're tying up. You ultimately probably can't do a project like that or, or, you know, many projects like that. So this, we can be a way to say, reduce that from 50%, maybe to, you know, 30% or 20%, depending on the particulars. And ultimately that makes the returns higher for you and, or your investors. That may mean you can, you know, it'd be great. Like you and I could go buy a building together instead of having to bring in all these outside partners and kind of keep it more, you know, in the family, so to speak. So those are just some of the main ways that, that people are using us. But, you know, we're really, again, bridging that gap between, you know, what lending is out there and really what it takes to get these projects to to make sense for owners and investors. Ethan, I know you've worked on a couple of really interesting projects recently, one in Texas, one in Vegas. Uh, I'm I'm sure many others. Would you be willing to take us through a recent interesting deal kind of from start to finish and and fill in the gaps of of what your role was in those deals? Yeah, absolutely. And and I would encourage, not trying to be too commercially, you know, if you go on our website, um, pace-equity.com, there's a whole case study page. And we segment that by, you know, by geography, by asset class. And chances are we've had, you know, some experience, you know, either the same you're looking at or, you know, very like kind. But um I'll, I'll give a different example, actually, of a, of a project that I think, again, it really speaks to the market today. Um, this was a new construction hotel uh, outside of Kansas City in Missouri. And um, they had actually gone ahead and started construction. This is a ground up you know, development project. They had started construction 
um, you know, uh, accomplished, you know, well-heeled, you know, uh, sponsor individual because he had a construction lender, but he wanted to strike while the iron's hot. His pricing was in, all the, you know, the incentive package was there. So, okay, I'll go ahead and get started and just the financing will kind of catch up. And ultimately he was working with a, a, a really great um, bank, but they were getting a participating bank. And what ultimately came to fruition is that the participating bank you know, was was not able to perform for, I don't actually know why, but let's just say for some for some reason. And so now all of a sudden, what made a lot of sense to do, you've got a big surprise in your capital stack. And so um, through different relationships, he, you know, we have, he ultimately got introduced to us and we were able to fill in, if, if, it, if it wasn't all of it, almost all of you know, that participating bank and closed in about 40 days, which is for us light speed, you know, let's just say, but, but it, it really kind of saved the day from having to, again, scramble, shut down construction, go, you know, go find another participating bank, go to outside investors, you know, so that's one that comes to mind. Um, I'll give you another one, which is again, a very common scenario today, um, this is a this was a a multifamily project um, in um, uh, I think it was in Cincinnati um, or so, and they were they had you know a very traditional you know they had acquired a building they were um, redeveloping it from I think office into multifamily conversion and and ultimately they had a lot of cost overruns. This was you know. It's still very much the case today, but, you know, very, very present, you know, coming out of COVID. And so they had about a $4 million, you know, gap to finish the project. They had, you know, leveraged all the equity, almost all the construction loan. They, they just really didn't have enough proceeds to finish the project. And again, you're left in a really bad dilemma. You know, I could do a capital call, which is so punishing. And that would be a big capital call, you know, at that. You know, the bank isn't really that interested in funding something like that. So ultimately, same. They came to us and using costs they hadn't incurred yet, costs they had already incurred that happened to qualify, we were able to fund the entire cost overrun and see that project, you know, get completed, even though we hadn't been involved until it was maybe 85%, you know, redeveloped. So those are two, you know, more recent, you know, projects, but um, I'll just, I'll just tack on a third, you know, which is um, that a project was, you know, they were getting a, a bridge loan, um, you know, to complete, um, you know, their renovation and construction. And, you know, and, you know, we, we think, you know, we think banks are expensive right now, you know, those bridge lenders, and we work with a lot of them, they're great folks, you know, they have a really good value in today's marketplace, but they're very expensive. You know, they're, a, you know, they're a big premium to where, you know, where banks are. And we were able to work with them to ultimately lower our cost is two or 300 basis points below theirs. So we were just able to actually reduce the overall cost of capital for that project simply by just taking, you know, the amount they were borrowing from that bridge lender and reducing that by, you know, by our funding. 
Yeah, incredible. I'm sure some listeners' ears perked up with that last one. There, oh, I'm sure. Okay. Well, I'm sure there are some people that uh, are or will be starting to feel some pain from bridge lenders, and so I think if there are any uh, any signs of hope, any opportunities for uh, for help from a bridge lender um, with interest rates that maybe just doubled or even more, um, I think right. you know there there could be a real opportunity there. Ethan, as we wrap up our conversation, is there anything else about PACE equity or CPACE financing that you wish people would understand? Any, yeah, any misunderstandings out there? Or if you could just get in front of investors, what what would you like to tell them about uh, this type of financing? You know, there are, you know, we are probably the most unknown and at the same time, misknown, you know, products in the marketplace today. And, you know, that's because maybe in, let's just say, uh, Maine, you know, we just got started, you know, funding projects there. So so probably people in Maine have never heard of, you know, of C-PACE uh, and PACE equity and, and what we do. And then there might be, you know, Florida, a state where we've been funding projects for a long time. But there's, there's, even though there's still a lot of people who are, you know, not knowledgeable on what we do, there's probably more who misunderstand, you know, through, you know, different, you know, reasons. So I think first and foremost, just, you know, understanding if this is a fit and, and being open to that, you know, you might not have awareness or you just might have a misunderstanding. I talked to someone in Florida two weeks ago, again, this is one of the older markets that established that legislation. And they said, I didn't know you could fund construction. I thought you were just for solar. Now, I mean, that's not wrong. We are, we can just fund a solar project as we talked about earlier, but more of what we fund are these, you know, these, these construction um, and development projects. So there, there is a lot of that out there, but again, I think, you know, just what I touched on earlier too, you know, there's there's different requirements, public-private partnership. It sounds overwhelming. And that's, again, where really we've built Pace Equity to help you navigate through, whether it's to, you know, take care of these requirements for you and or guide you through the process of working through these different states and districts so that this becomes a very, you know, accessible capital tool for you. So like I said, just reach out. We're, we're here and, and able to support and help you. Ethan, this has been a great conversation. I know I learned a ton yeah. about a, uh, a new potential funding source for my future deals. So um, sincerely appreciate your expertise and in, in going deep on some of your success stories and how CPACE financing could be a potential option for a lot of investors. If a listener or investor um, wants to find out more about Pace Equity and uh, wants to find out if this could be an option for their project. Uh, what's the process and where would you like to send people? Yeah, if you go to our website, www.pace-equity.com, there's a lot of resources there to learn more about what I've talked about today. Again, to look at some of those successes and case studies, but there's also a get started part where you can submit just the basics. You can submit a lot of information and ultimately that'll be routed to one of our managing directors, you know, in your area, or just say, unfortunately, we're not funding projects here. 
we'll, you know, we'll reach out, you know, when and if that changes. So I think our website is a wealth of knowledge, you know, on all this and can direct you to the right, uh, the right person. Perfect. And links to Pace Equity's website will be in the show notes. Ethan, thank you so much for your time today. Sincerely enjoyed this conversation. This was great. Perfect. Listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to reach out to either one of us, especially reach out to Ethan if you feel like you have a project that could be a candidate for the CPACE financing. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Until next time, take care. This content is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not financial advice, and it is not an invitation to buy or sell real estate or make any investment decisions.